Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. This is episode number 113. You are listening to the podcast that brings you the best in educational technology each and every week, featuring more than 600 podcasts available to you and your PLN over on our website, TeacherCast.net. Thank you for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional learning network and making TeacherCast your home. For professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury and I am the host of the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network and if this is the first time you're listening to the show, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great show for you. If There are so many ways that you can reach out and connect with us each and every week. You can of course find us on our website teachercast.net leave us a voicemail over teachercast.net slash voicemail find us on Twitter at TeacherCast, and of course, subscribe to this audio and video channel over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. Before we begin the show today, I want to take a moment to thank our very generous sponsors for helping us out on our program today. We want to give thanks to all the great stuff happening over at StoryboardThat.com. Today's presentation is brought to you by StoryboardThat.com. Storyboard That is the leading storyboard creator for classrooms of all grades and subject areas. Storyboard That provides a simple, drag-and-drop experience with thousands of well-designed artwork to quickly create great-looking storyboards. This lets students really focus on what they want to say and unleash their creativity. With tons of pre-made teacher guides, Storyboard That gives lots of examples for common core-aligned activities like breaking apart Shakespeare, practicing vocabulary, or conjugating verbs for language class. Sign up for free at storyboardthat.com or check out teachercast.net slash storyboardthat to take advantage of our 25% discount when you sign up for an educator account. Once again, that's teachercast.net slash storyboardthat. And of course, we want to thank our friends over at storyboardthat.com for supporting the TeacherCast podcasting network for more than a year. And I can't tell you enough how easy it is for teachers everywhere to create amazing projects with Storyboard That for their students of all grades and subject areas. Check them out today and take advantage of our discount program during this holiday season. For the past several weeks, the Tech Educator podcast live on Sunday nights on TeacherCast.tv has been discussing the Hour of Code, a push to encourage students not only students but teachers as well of all grades and subject areas to take one hour out of their teaching week and dedicate it to the subject of coding i hope you take of course some time to check out those great shows over at our website techeducatorpodcast.com today's show is going to be diving deeper into the hour of code and we're going to be talking about how one company is helping to ensure that all students no matter the grade level or subject area have the opportunity to learn how to speak the language of code we are also pleased to have two amazing educators who are not only participants in this year's hour of code but are also leaders in their schools to help students take advantage of all that the hour of code has to offer Joining us on the program is a passionate educator who I've had the pleasure and privilege to speak to and interview at the last three ISTE conferences. He's a 20-year veteran in the field of education and is truly a pioneer when it comes to helping students and schools transform the way students are being taught inside and outside of the classroom walls. It is my pleasure to bring back to the TeacherCast Airwaves the National and Chief Technology Educator from Microsoft Education, Mr. Cameron Evans. Cameron, how are you today? Doing great, Jeff. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. Welcome back to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. It is so nice to see you, my friend. How are things? It's a pleasure. 
it's it's been fun. I got a real um, hoot out of the last time we were together when we had dueling PCs with the Surface and the MacBook, and people were tweeting about it, as well as our reference to um, History of the World Part One when we were um, talking at the last conference that we were in. So it's great to be back. I'm happy to talk to teachers today about the things that are going on at Microsoft, the things that we see happening in the hour of code. Um, because, you know, right now, when you think about computer science and the opportunity that it unlocks for students, the opportunity that it unlocks for teachers, this is a transformational time. And I know we hear that word a lot of transformation, but as we look at every industry under the globe, uh, everything is becoming digitized, automated, programmed, robots, et cetera, this new Internet of Things. And it's just a great time for students to start thinking about what skills do they need to be successful, not only in the 21st century, but in the 21st and a half century, when they'll be mostly living the rest of their lives. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. We have a lot of stuff to do. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to having you come to ISTE this year. It's going to be in our backyard here in Philadelphia. We are so ready to have a great party this summer. I have um, cheesesteaks in Market uh, Square already planned out for me and a whole bunch of other delis that I need to get to. <laughs> Excellent. We will definitely have to have the food tour when we're here. My next guest is an amazing educator from the state of Washington, where he has not only introduced his students to hackathons, but he is also helping his students create apps, real apps that are on the Windows platform, the Android platform, and the iOS platform. I want to introduce Mr. Michael Braun onto the program. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jeff, and you? I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So yeah, I've been I've been teaching in Seattle Public Schools for three years, uh, teaching computer science, AP computer science, intro computer science with with TEALS. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's engineers coming into the classroom, and so we've been offering innovative education, and we've taken it a step further where we're educating our students to then be educating others. So peer peers teaching peers computer science, and, and so that. Talk to us a little bit about, about these, these, these app projects. Your students are making real apps that thousands of people are downloading. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's been an incredible journey. You know, we started this concept where Microsoft offered uh, an app-making software called Touch Develop. And so we were in, initially introducing it just for the Windows 7 phone, uh, but Microsoft made it into a web app. So that way our students can start programming on their own phones, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad or a Surface or, you know, whatever PC they have in the classroom or at home. And so students are just building apps uh, that they're interested in, that they have, that they have a passion about, about understanding. Um, and we've actually had several apps in the Windows Store. Uh, some of them actually have had a few, uh, few thousand downloads. And it's all about just getting more of that passion in computer science uh, into more students, uh, for, you know, radars. It is really neat to see some of these students coming out with these amazing projects. I mean, I know over the last two years I've had student app developers on and just the creativity is there. And really this idea that there are no limits. You can build anything you want. And there's so many easy ways of creating apps. I, I, Please, at the end of our show, send me some of the links, and I definitely want to put some of these links to your apps in our show notes today. Yeah, that is fantastic. We've, we've had the opportunity to have some of our apps featured um, 
and New York Times and wow. Seattle Times and, and GeekWire. And it's, it's really been empowering for students to get, you know, to be published and to get their work recognized. And I would love to uh, connect those apps with, uh, with your show as well, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. And you can check that stuff out. This is going to be left over on TeacherCast, uh, TeacherCast.net. And this is TeacherCast podcast number 113. So we can check the show notes on there. My next guest today is an amazing educator and motivational speaker from the great state of New Jersey. He's also one of my organizing partners for both the ECET2 conference and EdCap South Jersey. It's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Glenn Robbins to the program. Glenn, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic now that I'm here with all these amazing people today. So thank you for having me on. It's been an amazing day. And how are things down in South Jersey? Uh, things in South Jersey are absolutely amazing. And the fact that you asked me to come on about our code, uh, our school has been doing it almost weekly. It hasn't just been that one hour. And it's been going on the entire year. And I think that's the uh, the benefit that we have, being at a great school with amazing teachers to continue felt forward with what they're doing not just waiting one hour for the entire year we're continuing to push forward throughout and hopefully uh you know i have a middle school grades five through eight so hopefully one day we'll be developing apps as well as you are but uh, we're slowly getting there cameron i want to ask you a question here and build off of what glenn just mentioned glenn said that he's doing hour of code activities throughout the entire year now there's a website i want to bring up right away that that's on microsoft this is on news.microsoft.com under the video section and it says more than 20 million students have participated in code.org's hour of code that is absolutely amazing talk to us a little bit about what the hour of code is doing these days for 20 million er, educators and students well, when you think about the Hour of Code, one of the things that we want students to get excited about is really getting hooked on programming as in a way to not only solve problems, but unlock opportunities for them. And so we had our CEO, who is a programmer and engineer himself, actually go out to New York and he met, visited some schools at the laboratory for finance and technology, where we got a chance to talk to them about his journey and how he became interested in computer science and how that has created multiple opportunities for him at Microsoft. And now he's our new CEO, bringing a lot of the savviness that he has for problem solving, especially these rich, complex, wicked problems that we're trying to solve today, and how that applies into the world of work that he's doing. And he got a chance to just sit and look over the students and see what they're doing and how they're tackling problems and the conversations that they have with one another. Because when we start programming, we actually start collaborating in ways that we haven't thought about before. And most people don't realize that computer science and programming becomes just a new canvas for teaching even soft skills that students need for the 21st century, which is super important as well. And there's so many easy ways to do this. I mean, I even remember 15 years ago when I was going through high school. And... (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they taught us how to do a little formula and then a turtle moved up the screen or made a left and made a right. And now these kids are doing this on their Surface tablets. These kids are doing this on their Windows phones. There's so many different things that students are doing in their pockets. They're, uh, talk to us about some of the things that Microsoft is offering to help students learn this language. It is a language of code, isn't it? Right. Well, the biggest thing is to make it approachable. 
you can actually get introduced to computer science from a multitude of things. Michael talked about Touch Develop, which came out of Microsoft Research, that gives a very approachable way for students to start building mobile apps for phones and devices. But we also have games like Kodu that allow students to begin learning how to program codes without actually seeing the language or syntax. They learn the programming constructs, they learn logic and how if-then statements work in real time so that they can build a game. And even in those contexts, they're actually using things like Kodu to help with English language arts so that students can build composition skills and learn how to build narrative and storytelling through their programming. We also have recently introduced Project Spark, which you may have seen on your Surface or you may have seen on your Xbox One. Um, Spark is phenomenal. It is a game where people can make their own games, similar to what we see in um, what we see in um, the Minecraft world, which we just recently acquired as well. Is that Project Spark and Minecraft allow students to really get introduced to programming without having to get bogged down with the notion of do I need to learn different scripts or different languages, but really get keep them interested in play and their curiosity. Uh, continuing to foster and develop. We've done things with Teals that Michael talked about as well, which brings all of our engineers into the classroom through Skype in the classroom, sometimes through Skype for Business. And that allows students to talk to the engineers that are working on real problems at Microsoft today so they can get hands-on experience on the things that they're trying to solve and direction, mentoring, counseling, and advice about how can they can move forward with the things that they're trying to do. It's not just games that students are making. Some of them are solving problems around water in the particular area of the country they live, or even problems outside of the U.S. And we think it's a great opportunity to see students just grow and flourish in their ability to communicate with others as they use programming and computer science as a canvas for building now richer skills in their life. Quite often when it comes to coding, teachers are confused. And the, the, the idea that everybody can learn to code is, has never been easier. And there's a lot of great resources. And I want to first start talking, and, and maybe, Cameron, you could give us a little background about this. But the website I want to bring up here is code.org. Could you talk to right. us a little bit about code.org and maybe what somebody can find there and how they can start to learn how to help out their students? So Microsoft is a huge, huge partner with Code.org. Um, you know, we're a, we're a computer engineering, computer science company. So we've provided them with a lot of resources to help students learn how to program with basic programming languages, tools like Kodu, as well as how they can get more advanced programming languages from the things that we have with our Visual Studio. We've also got resources that we've made available through Microsoft Imagine, which is a spinoff of Imagine Cup, to help teachers become more familiar with computer science and programming. I love the way Michael talked about the things that the students are doing with building apps and having them showcase in the Seattle Times, the New York Times, GeekWise, Etc., and how those apps are being downloaded in the store. When you think about Common Core state standards for the states that are doing that, and even in my state of Texas, where we don't do Common Core unless you want to succeed from the union, but we do, <laughs> we do have things that are similar to Common Core in our standards for computer science. Um, it helps students understand how to build a business and how to market an idea 
how to deal with feedback, how to iterate on that feedback so that you can constantly improve. These are the types of skills that they need not only to be great employees and assets to their companies, but also the things that they need to be great entrepreneurs as well. And all of those things that they get exposed to when they go to code.org and Microsoft Imagine. Glenn, let me bring you in here as an administrator in a building that is going code. I don't even know if that's a right term to go. Talk to us about some of the things that you're seeing happening in your building with your teachers. I mean, are all your teachers uh, code heads or are you seeing Um, teachers going out and trying to expand their horizons here? I think that they're slowly uh, broadening the horizons. I'm very fortunate to work with two amazing technology slash STEM teachers in my building, uh, Kevin Jarrett and Janelle Schaefer. Um, in Kevin's case, he works with the elementary students, and they basically put together a Minecraft program uh, that you talked about earlier, Cameron, and the middle school students act as mentors, so it helps them out throughout the class period at the school, and it is our most popular club by far. Um, but like I said, they're constantly infusing it throughout every single student um, as far as the coding goes. And we even yesterday, I went to a classroom that I did not expect it, but a teacher took a leap of faith and tried decoding and had students at various grade levels uh, making Christmas cards for the holiday coming up that you never would have thought would have tried to do something like this. So uh, it's sort of like you said, you know, it's very easy to code. Um, It's very easy to just take a chance at it. And uh, like I said, I'm blessed to work with an amazing group of people and students that are so enthusiastic about it. So... You know, with Microsoft and all the other companies getting involved to make it so easy to the average person, it's not as intimidating anymore. Do you find that it's a top-down method where the teachers are teaching coding, or do you see a lot of instances where the students are teaching the teachers how to code? Uh, you know what? I've been pushing for years um, that it should be a collaborative effort. I always say, let the teachers stand off to the side. Let the kids show you what they know. Uh, personally, I say the same thing. I go after the smartest kids in the school and ask them to show me how to work something on uh, my tablets as well. Um, you know, the amazing thing is we're even putting together a tech squad to have our kids work with the teachers throughout the day uh, in case there's some technical difficulties and we have a short staff of IT, an amazing staff, uh, but would help them out as well. So I think it's a collaborative effort between the kids to teachers and uh, trying to be a servant leader to help them out in every way that I can. So the more enthusiastic we can be about it, the more we can go places. Now, Michael, Glenn, th- go that sounds like organized chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, it, it isn't really because of the fact that um, we work at such an amazing school and the kids right. are so passionate about what they want to do. And we opened up with uh, BYOD two years ago, and the children are coming in doing 10 times as much as homework now that they didn't have to do because they wanted to show this project off that they made uh, that, you know, it took it to a whole nother level. So we gave them that of freedom and autonomy, and now they're simply showing us how amazing they are, and they're, they're pure geniuses. And like I said, the teachers have embraced that as well as I had to say, keep going, don't stop. And what grades are this, Glenn? Uh, I have grades five through. Say one more time, Glenn. You just uh, we just you know, K to four. Okay. So, <laughs> Glenn, say that one more time. We, we we just cut off just a little bit. Grades five through. I have five through eight, and then I'm also uh, blessed to have the Kevin Jarrett downstairs in the K to four. So he builds the kids up, and then they come to us even stronger. And we can just continue to move forward. So that's a blessing that we have as far as to transition from one school to another. 
Let me bring Michael in here. Michael, you just recently led 700 students through these Hour of Code exercises. Is this stuff that takes a lot of planning time? Is this stuff that you can kind of whip up and say, here's a Surface tablet, go try this app out? Or what does it take to lead a program of this size? Let's get your mic unmuted there. I've been running these large hackathons for the last three years. And so at this point, it's almost a recipe that we're following for success. Uh, you know, it didn't take much time out of my day except for organizing the high school to come over and mentor the middle school students, organizing the, the loan program with Microsoft Surfaces, and just, you know, building out challenges for the students to keep, you know, curious and creative. Uh, the rest of it was already, you know, built out a few years ago, and we've just been leveraging that same model ever since. Cameron, let me put you on the spot here. Because right. I've never done that before. <laughs> no, no, you haven't. <laughs> there, there, are, There's a word that means something to me, and there's a word that means something a little bit more. And the word that means something to me is is STEM, S-T-E-M. Right. And mm-hmm. then there's the word STEAM, which adds the yeah. A, which adds the arts, which as a music teacher, I sometimes feel like I'm on the outside and I'm going – hey, all my friends are having fun here and they're doing all this great coding and robotic stuff. Where do I come in? Where do I, how can I sell the product to my kids? How can the product sell itself to my classes? How do I fit into all of this? Where, where is Microsoft on the Steam, con- yeah, yeah, Steam concept, which adds the arts into that? We're all over it. I mean, when I look at my own journey, one of the things that got me involved in computer science in the first place was that I was a musician. I was recording music, writing music, and I had a band that did not want to rehearse. They wanted to show up for the shows, but they did not want to rehearse. And I fired them and replaced them all with MIDI instruments and electronics. (laughs) And besides, since I bought all the equipment, I figured I had to build the Bay American Express that gave me the authority to fire everybody. Um, and it was that journey of learning how to use computers in order to make music to make it more effective for me to be smarter about the things that I do today in computer science. And it's still a massive orchestration of things. What we don't understand and what we need to get a bit bigger appreciation for is that all other humanities and arts are showing up in computer science more so today than ever before. Great design actually matters. People don't buy things because they just have utility and um, work well. They actually have to feel good. They want some type of emotional connection to it. And so whether it's the music in a video game, whether it's the art, or this very story that the game is trying to tell, even to something as simple as Angry Birds, there's still a narrative about some pigs that stole some eggs that take these birds off, and they're taking their revenge. Narrative is important, and it's become so important for the arts that just this past year, the Smithsonian had an entire exhibit that's touring the country right now called The Art of Video Games, something that is core engineering, computer science, and computer graphics has now become something that is appreciated as an art because of the amount of narrative that we've seen develop since the days of Pac-Man and Donkey Kong to the things that we have today with Halo, Mass Effect, and so many other great titles that have become blockbusters and have spun off 
entire new industries of their own as a result of this need for computer science to tell great stories or products to tell great stories. If you look at the things that are going on in robotics today, we want robots to not only be able to function and keep people safe, but we're also looking at robotics that allow humans to interact in ways that are intuitive and also give them the ability to use inference from machine learning to predict what you need before you actually need it. You see this show up in products like Cortana that if I have an appointment to be somewhere, she knows exactly where I am right now, and I'm saying she, she's a real person, that personification of a technology. She knows where I am, what the traffic patterns are from where I am to the location I need to get to, and can make an inference on how to get there. All of these things are a matter of design. Taste is involved, and we need students to appreciate the fact that no matter where they come into the spectrum for programming, all of those disciplines now show up in this um, new skill set, this new language of computer science. I'm going to need to ask for some help on that one, Cameron. I actually emailed Cortana asking her to be a guest on the show today, and she turned me down. <laughs> you should have spoken to her directly. She doesn't do emails. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the – okay, I understand. She reads my email, but she doesn't. She doesn't give me any response back for it. You know, I've I've been told for years it, it it is always about the approach, isn't it? It is always about the approach. You know, and you should have told her your your new master chief. She would have she would have hooked you up immediately. That's a college story for another podcast. I am going to ask you a question on behalf of the teachers that are out here listening to this show. Perhaps they want to get involved. Perhaps one of Glenn's teachers, let's say, wants to get some guidance or some, some mastery lessons on this. I know mm-hmm. that through your partnership with Code.org and Skype in the Classroom, there's a ways for students and, and experts to meet each other. Can you talk a little bit about the partnership that you guys have with educators, getting some guest speakers to, to help um, do some uh, you know, education on the topic of coding? Yeah, so about 60,000 of Microsoft's employees are engineers. 20,000 of them are actually in the Seattle, Washington area for Redmond, Bellevue, where our headquarters are located. Those engineers, those testers, designers, developers, make themselves available for educators across the country in order to come into their classroom through Skype and actually sit and see what students are working on line by line in the code, help them work through problems, give them advice and mentoring. We call that problem TEAL. T-E-A-L-S, and you can go to um, code.org to find more information out about Tears, or you can go to microsoft.com slash youthspark, and you'll see a whole list of different programs that we have and how you can use Tills to get started in your particular school district. It's a wonderful program for people who are marrying up the passion that our engineers have about the things that they do and the, the desire they want to give that skill, that love for coding and programming to a new generation of students. Because all of the problems in the world have not been solved. And if we can get more students excited about programming today, then we have a much better opportunity to not only explore what we know about the world, but the things in the ocean and the things in outer space. Uh, We're going to need a lot more computer scientists to pull that off. Now, Michael, you've had some experience with TEALS. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that you've done. So we started off uh, teaching HTML, which... You know, it's making web pages and something that I was a teacher assistant with in college. And when Kevin Wang, you know, uh, had brought Teals into Seattle Public Schools, 
I was really, I was really uh, excited because it was, it was an opportunity for my students to mentor uh, with engineers in the field. It was also an opportunity for me to learn about what's the newest things in, in the industry. And we married the two together, meaning I'm, I'm off with Teals, it brought along, you know, the cutting edge technology that they're working on, the problems that they're solving in their workplace, and it brought those things into my classroom. And so for, you know, three years, uh, I worked with the newest, the newest concepts that Microsoft's offering. And I also worked with, uh, you know, the, some of the smartest and most talented engineers in my classrooms. And so I've worked with over 20 Microsoft Teals volunteers. And that's not just for Microsoft Teals, is for any engineer who wants to partner with the K-12 education space. And it's just been an amazing success. I mean, it's taken my class so much further. My students have really experienced what it's like to work with engineers and really are aspiring to be you know, a future engineer and in that tech space. And they realize it's not fantasy. Uh, when I worked, you know, in working with inner city students, you know, a lot of them would never experience uh, hands-on working with an engineer, you know, before they would apply for a job. And this is a great opportunity for them to get, you know, a sample of what engineers are solving in their, in their work and also what it means to create, you know, great products with the assistance and mentorship of, of Teal's volunteers. Uh, if I can add in something, I actually have a question for Cameron. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the educational component inside the school, um, but often I talk to parents and they're just simply overwhelmed. Uh, you were mentioning some of these help tabs and so forth. What can we do to uh, get the parents more involved? Because it's very difficult when a fifth grader or a sixth grader comes home and says, hey, mom, I can do this, this, and that, but there's no parental support to even know where to begin. So. What have you done or what can they do besides those links that you had mentioned earlier? Yeah, the parent support is super critical. I have a sixth grader and one of the things that I would encourage people to do, listen to your kids. <laughs> it seems like an uh, obvious thing, but not so much. Listen to your kids. My daughter for about two years from the fourth grade was on me about, I want to download Minecraft. I want to download Minecraft. And I'm like, no, you're not downloading Minecraft. That thing is a virus. Get it away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so finally she, she pressed. She was persistent. I loved her tenacity about the subject. And I did my own investigation of what is Minecraft and found that, oh, this is really great. I love the story of Mo Yang and uh, finding out about it. And so we went and we bought her a, um, a license so that she can download and start using Minecraft. And that was one of the first things she started doing to start realizing she can create, not just play. And that creative aspect of play helped grow her in that opportunity. And I bring up Minecraft because it's a low barrier to entry for a lot of families to start saying, if I'm going to have a device for a kid, what should I be able to get on? And then Minecraft's available on every platform from Xbox to PlayStation to iPad, iOS, Android, as well as Windows and Mac devices. Beyond that, we also thought about changing the way our daughter plays at home. And so I know some of the schools that have been participated in the Hour of Code this year as well as last year 
looked at Lego's Mindstorms as a way of getting kids interested in um, programming. And there's this great synergy between Minecraft and the blocks of building Minecraft and the things that go on with Legos and the block building activities there. But Lego is taking it further where not only can you teach kids computer science, but you're teaching them engineering, you're teaching them about motors and machines, you're teaching them about fabrication techniques, and it's a great way for them to be introduced into, into the uh, computer science world. The last thing I would say that is absolutely free and something for people to think about is download Microsoft Office. It seems crazy that Office would be a way for parents to get students inspired to go into programming and computer science. But one of our own engineers, when he was in high school, probably 15 years ago when Jeff was in high school as well, <laughs> um, we, he recently shot a video that was posted on our Office blog about how um, learning PowerPoint and how to build animations in PowerPoint got him excited about computer science and programming. And today, that very um, young, that young man is now working at Microsoft as a computer engineer programming for PowerPoint. And so we, we have to make sure that as we think about the arts and sciences, we talk about music, we talk about office, we talk about Legos and robotics, we talk about gaming. There's so many ways that parents can support their students in their particular craft and helping them get excited about computer science. The best thing is just to find out which way your kid is bent and then find the toys that allow them to flow in that way, and you can unlock a lot of opportunities for them. Yeah, I'd like to jump, you know, I'd like to piggyback off what Cameron was talking about. I mean, so, you know, for the last 10, 12, 14 years, I was really coding in HTML, and that's what really was my passion because I got to really see what a public, my published work looked like and working with companies and industries and, and just really getting a sense, getting some feedback on what on what it means to experience that, to publish your own work and and be successful. And I I was so impressed with the with the excitement in students when they were making their apps. And that's why immediately uh, when a Teals volunteer showed me Touch Develop, uh, I mean we immediately went to that platform in in coding because that was really what the students were. I mean, we were building things, and you know, the sky was the limit in terms of what graphics they were using, in terms of what sound they were using. It was a very playful language, which means they just knew the basics about for loops and if statements, um, and they could start building really amazing things. That was either their favorite game to download, or it was something that they had always thought about and wanted to solve some local problem. But just that whole playfulness um, in getting those kids excited is exactly you know, what we should be bringing kids when we talk about introducing them to coding. You know, I think the one thing that's important to remember here, Cameron, as we, as we kind of wrap up this portion here on Hour of Code is not too long ago, somebody decided to have his own Hour of Code project, and he was in his garage. And that Hour of Code project turned into the great company that Microsoft is. Am I right about that? Yep. Um Paul Allen and Bill Gates spent a lot of time after hours sneaking out of the house, having multiple hours of code, and realized that there was an opportunity that the world was not going to wait for, and they seized it. And so it's, it's, it's super important that whether you're thinking about Mark Zuckerberg 
Bill Gates and Paul Allen, whether you're thinking about Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Michael Dell, so many people who have found a passion around computer science have been able to do things that have fundamentally changed our lives just in the last two decades, let alone the last 40 years. And our students need to recognize, as well as their teachers and parents, that the world has yet more to change. And their kids are the ones that can make that change if they just get the right tools. And if you put the tools in their hands that allow them to have the same craft capability of the creators versus just the product to the creators, then the sky's the limit. Some technologies can preset what a student's capabilities will be. Other technologies can unlock their curiosity and unlock their creativity. And I think this is the this is the grand time in in our history, especially in America, that we should unlock that opportunity for more students in more places as fast as possible. I I I, I have to follow that. Wow. We're going to take a quick break after all of that from Cameron, and uh, we are going to come back and talk all about some of the great tools and things that are going in the hands of those students. So stick with us. We are going to share with you how you can get a hold of TeacherCast and be a part of our broadcast on future podcasts. We want to take a moment here and say thank you to everybody out there who's watching or listening to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. There's, of course, several great ways that you can participate in TeacherCast each and every week. We love it when you find us on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Like us on Facebook over at TeacherCast.net slash Facebook. Subscribe to our many audio channels and video channels over on iTunes. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. Find us on Pinterest. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel at TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. The TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. What do you want to learn today? All right, we are back here live on TeacherCast podcast number 113. We're talking all about the Hour of Code. My guest today is Cameron Evans from Microsoft Education, and we have two also amazing educators, Mr. Glenn Robbins and, of course, Mr. Michael Braun from the great state of Washington. Um, guys, I want to ask you a couple questions here. When you think of educational technology and you're making your budgets – for the following year, what are some of the things that your students are looking after? I know in the last segment, Cameron had talked about Minecraft and Minecraft. But if we're looking to put together skills and things for future hour of code and coding products, especially in the world of STEM and STEAM, what are kids looking for these days? Glenn, let me start with you. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, when it comes to my budget, I'd like to put it all toward technology. Um, ask anybody in my BA, especially. Um, you know, recently we started to begin to um, develop a TV studio and having the kids break down recording, uh, editing, and broadcasting. We really want to start moving forward with that. I think we're a little bit behind the ball, but we're going to gain a lot of momentum and move forward. Uh, like I mentioned, we do have the Minecraft program, uh, as well as the mentors as well. And, you know, ultimately, we'd like to go to robotics, like Cameron had mentioned earlier. And uh, I'd like to see, like I said, app building as well. But when it comes to technology, I, I still believe that the teaching is the pedagogy and the uh, technology is the accelerator. Um, and like Cameron had mentioned earlier, uh, we're in a business that's preparing kids for the future for jobs that aren't even there yet. And Cameron, you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's not the, what job do you want. It's what problem do you want to solve. And we have to continue to keep that creativity for the students. So anything we can do uh, teaching-wise, technology-wise, anything 
uh, to con enhance that creativity and allow that to happen is what my ultimate goal is. Do you find that more of your budget is going into mobile um, computing, whether it be tablets, uh, phones of some kind, or do you find that it's more on the more powerful side, the desktop machines, where you've got the bigger screens and the bigger uh, capabilities for more student interactive? Uh, you know, right now we're, we're rather blessed. We have the BYOD program uh, for each student brings in their own devices. Um, you know, we have Chromebooks and so forth, but I'm a big proponent for the fact that I've never walked into a room where everybody had the same device and as an adult and I don't foresee it being a kid right now and I love watching when a kid gets into an argument over which server is better whether it's an Apple an Android Microsoft whatever it may be they are bragging about it so I like to give the uh, the freedom to them to choose so uh, but like I mentioned we do have to, uh, desktops in each classroom about four in each classroom uh, we have Chromebooks for each hallway uh, just recently picked up a um, Samsung Solve for Tomorrow contest uh, winner for the state of New Jersey. So we picked up $20,000 in uh, technology today, actually, uh, that's going to go to the classroom as well. So anything I can get our kids hands-on is my goal. And like I said, I'm not going to be the one that tells them they have to use a strict product. I want them to be able to pick what they want and what's most comfortable for them. Where do you see your kids going? You said that you've got a great program in the younger groups and you've got a great program going what pathways are you trying to develop for your kids as they get up into those higher schools? I know in New Jersey, you know, we're all talking about park tests and stuff like that and things you have to teach them. But where is your vision as that fifth through eighth or ninth grade principal? Where do you want to dr drop them off into high school? Actually, you know, I'm trying to make more communication with the high school. Uh, I have a uh, great person up the high school, the principal there, does a great job. Uh, my ultimate goal is, is to have them better prepared when they get there. Um, I want them job ready. I want them real world ready. Um, like I said, we have a phenomenal student base that um, the sky is the limit to them. So we're trying to reach out to the FAA right now. One of my STEM teachers, Janelle Schaefer, actually went over there and was blown away for about eight hours of everything and anything that they're doing as far as asphalt, aerodynamics, fire safety, and so forth. So we're trying to link up with the FAA to have our students start going over there. But then they actually just sent over a couple people to do an assembly for the fourth graders at the elementary school. Um, and we're just trying to reach out to anybody and everybody that's willing to help us. So Cameron, I'm going to be picking your brain for a little bit here too afterwards. So, uh, but good, basically man. it's basically giving everything and anything I can to my kids to move forward. I think Cameron can help you out with the FAA. Just tell them that your name is master chief. <laughs> my, my, Michael, let me bring you in here. What, what kind of things are you using with your students? Are you mostly on the mobile applications or the desktops? Or let me even ask you, like, when you're making your apps, are you making them on a mobile platform or are you making them on a desktop platform? That's a tricky question. I want to see how Michael answers it, but that's a give you a t come off a mute, Michael, because what is desktop and what is mobile is kind of ah. up in the air these days. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, I mean, only, there's only one desktop operating system left, and it's not Windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about four years ago, uh, I wrote a grant, and we got 80, 80 Windows, uh, Windows 7 phones for our students. And so we saw an amazing progression in their, in their, amount, of, their, their amount of productivity. You know, just because it's something easy, they can slide in their pocket and they can, you know, whip out and start coding, you know, anytime, anywhere. 
And so I'm a firm believer in giving them technology they can use anytime, anywhere. Um, that being said, you know, since then, you know, we've, we've, we switched to Windows 8 phones because TouchDevelop went to a web app. And, you know, when our kids are learning AP, obviously they need a laptop uh, because they're learning Java. But as much as possible, we try to give them as many different devices uh, to give them exposure. So, you know, I really love the Surface, obviously, because, you know, it's both, you know, it's both, you know, mobile and it is very, it's very light, it's very easy, and it, and it has a touch screen. So when students are working, they can learn those transformative skills. And so, you know, I really try to encourage students to learn, you know, learn at all different, in all different devices. Um, and I don't think there's a best, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a best solution as long as it's something that they're willing to use anytime, anywhere. And I think one-to-one -one is the best solution because, you know, whether they're get whether each student's getting a tablet or a desktop or a phone, you know, it's something that they can constantly be on and contributing. Um, so, well, Jeff, Jeff, I got a follow-up for Michael on that one. Um, when we think about a lot of devices today, we tend to think about things that have screens on them. But when we look at the new Internet of Things, I'm wearing a Fitbit that is a computing device itself for tracking health and fitness. We've got devices in our buildings in Redmond that actually track the energy where the heating and ventilation are controlled as a device that needs compute power so that we can turn the lights off, cool the building, warm the building up based on who's actually in it versus just having it running based on a clock when no one physically is in the building. And so as we look at smarter devices that don't have screens, are your students seeing those opportunities being presented to them? Or is that still an area that when we think about the hour of code, we need to expand to things that don't necessarily have a screen on them so that machines can talk to machines? Oh, I love that, Cameron. So yeah, I mean, our students get super excited about playing with gadgets. You know. Uh, I had 10 different Spiros, so students were learning how to program those Spiros, and we rented out the entire gymnasium uh, at my high school in Seattle, and kids were just trying to get, you know, knock down the pins with the Spiros, or they were trying to get around their maze to get to the finish line. Uh, kids were programming Spiros to turn on and turn off lights like a disco ball, mm -hmm. and so our kids light up with gadgets. Uh, we did a project. With, uh, with light sensors and water sensors with plants. So we partnered up with uh, another STEM teacher and we were giving them almost like free consulting advice on how, they're, on how that other part of the school can activate, you know, how they, how they can leverage their, their garden. Right. Uh, and that was all through the programming of devices. And I, and I love that idea that you brought in that camera because it's, it's more to more than just the computational uh, machine. It's what those machines can interact with. That's really where where we're going. And you know, that's where the kids get excited. It's nice to see that it doesn't matter the grade level, the subject area. Students are interactive. Students are being creative. And Cameron, I'm excited here because a few days ago, Microsoft actually launched a platform, if you will, to help bring students and those applications together. Talk to us a little bit about the brand new Microsoft Imagine. 
So Imagine has a lot of tools to help our teachers get up and running as well as our students with lessons that they can follow if they've never written a line of code before in their life, how they can get started with things like um, Project Cinea, how they can get started with Touch Develop, how they can move over into Kodu Game Labs, which is a wonderful way to get started because you can use a, a Xbox controller to write all of your code. You don't even need a keyboard to do that. It runs on Windows devices as well as um, runs on your Xbox, and you can build games there as well. But it helps you grow into this larger context of coding where you can use more, program, uh, more powerful programming languages like C Sharp or Java, uh, and then even doing things where you can write with games. I use the Unity um, 3D engine as well. It's a great platform for building the same games that you see on Xbox, the same games that you see on PlayStation or Nintendo Wii. It helps students move from this world where they're thinking that everything is just going to be simply let me just write line after line after line to actually I can start bringing some of those art skills that you talked about earlier, Jeff, with things like the Unity Engine that works right on Windows Phone and works as well on Windows devices and Xbox. It's super important, in my view, that we continue to have the arts flow into computer science so that students, and we need the humanities as well to flow into computer science because everything requires storytelling. Everything requires narrative building. Everything requires great design. And those students that are good at that, this is an opportunity for more collaboration to take place between those disciplines. And it's in between the arts and the science that we actually get innovation. This is where we have beautiful products come about. I'm wearing headphones now, but somebody had to design these headphones so that they feel great in my ears and not be a pain, not just simply where I can hear them, but also where I can feel good while I'm wearing them. Those disciplines need to continue to merge as we solve the problems that we have today from everything that we're doing with touchscreen devices to devices that have no screen at all. Now, Cameron, I know that tomorrow Glenn is going to go down to his school and say, look, I was a star today on the TeacherCast podcast. And he's going to tell all of his friends about the great time that he spent here on the program. But he's also going to say, I just learned about this thing called Microsoft Imagine. Is this something that Glenn can go to his teachers tomorrow and say, you got to try this? Is there a sign-up? Is, is it free? Is it, is, can a teacher sign up for this? It's free. It's free. Uh, and this is not free like a puppy because I've seen those. Or, this is free like or, a beer. Or, or triplets. <laughs> or, or triplets, indeed. This is free like a beer. You just get it, say thank you, and enjoy it. And so when we ha and, and if you don't like beer, coffee. Um, so for our <laughs> teachers that are non-alcoholic, we've got some duels for you or whatever. <laughs> but Starbucks. The Imagine, Starbucks. The Imagine program is completely free. All of the tools are free as well. And what might blow some people's mind, and to Glenn's point earlier about what can parents do, so are the developer tools. The same things that Microsoft uses to build Windows, to build Xbox, to build Connect, to build Azure, or services in the cloud, those tools have actually been free for students and teachers for years. And you can go and download them and start using them immediately tonight and then start taking advantage of those lessons. The other cool thing that I love about the Imagine program that as you start getting good at your development and you want to market those um, ideas as products in the Windows Store um, that can be on our phone or Surface products, you can start getting paid. I mean, why, why find a summer job? Build an app. 
you know problems in your industry better than anyone else does and you know what other teachers are, are needing. This would be a great opportunity for a first app to be actually a problem that teachers need to solve for themselves. And for students, um, I've asked students for years, what could they do to make $50,000 a year? And I've gotten some interesting responses from kids um, and what they could do to get $50,000 a year. One, the most interesting was an inheritance. They were expecting someone to die in order for them to make $50,000 a year. So I wanted to give them an opportunity to think differently. And um, some of our large urban school districts, they have 50,000 kids in them. And they all have phones, whether they be Windows phones, Android phones, or iOS phones. We need our kids to understand there's a new digital marketplace, and these new digital mobile devices they have are not just for consumption, but with the right platform like Windows, they can actually start contributing to these marketplaces and have their ideas and their value and worth increase in a multitude of ways that they never imagined. And the story that they're going to tell when they go in for a job interview is going to be much richer, much better than just simply saying, I know how to program. They're going to be saying, this is what I'm actually shooting today. You know, Cameron, I wanted to piggyback off of that. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out Imagine tonight and then possibly sending out to my staff tomorrow. But uh, I love the fact that you threw in there that it is tied into English language arts, how the kids have to, it's almost like a foreign language in a way, and they're writing it out. And like you just mentioned, now they're going into a job interview, and they have to be able to provide, you know, information as to where they started, where they got to. So that's taking the English language art to a whole nother level. So you are adding that uh, cross-curricular uh, in there that I love for the fact that, you know, because I'm trying to do that right now across the board in every single subject is trying to get the kids to write more and speak more about what they're doing and be proud about it. So to, you know, capture something like Imagine, like you were saying, you know, might spark their interest even more and give them the interest to speak out about what they did last night or the next day or whatever it may be. So thank you for that. You're welcome, Cliff. Thank you. Now, at the beginning of the program here, Cameron had mentioned that the brand new CEO of Microsoft recently took a trip to a New York City school. I want to run the video here that was just put off by Microsoft because it is an amazing display of exactly what a CEO should be. He's out there. He's helping out students, and he's really learning how students can help Microsoft be innovative. We're going to watch this video real quick, and then we're going to come back with more from Cameron Evans of Microsoft Education. At the Hour of Code is this campaign to try to get students to take just one hour to understand computer science. I'm here today to visit the School of Finance and Technology in the Bronx, New York. It's fantastic to be here. A good coder is someone who is looking for information. The fact that you're passionate about learning, uh, that's what I think will make all the difference. Cameron, that is absolutely an amazing video. The, the passion on those students, the, the smiles and the thirst for innovation, it right. really seems like that's all wrapped up 
in your brand new CEO. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your new boss and tell us how has this transition completely changed the way Microsoft looks at students, educators, and the whole educational world? Well, Satya has been a breath of fresh air from Microsoft, as you know. Um, it's been been fantastic. I've worked with Satya before he actually ascended to the CEO role. And when it comes to solving problems that we have in our business, as an engineer, he knows exactly what's wrong and how to solve those problems, and they get solved very quickly. Um, as he's been able to grow our business, one of the things that is uniquely um, important to us from the education perspective about Satya is that he is a lifelong learner himself. We talk about lifelong, life-wide, life-deep learning across our entire business and learning all up as we look at it from Microsoft is critically important to him and as the new CEO is critically important to us. As we think about Microsoft's role in all the many partners that we have around the world, we need to be a great corporate citizen in helping grow the capacity of not only the U.S. but other nations so that they can support their own local software economy, much in the way we've been able to innovate for the past nearly 40 years as a company. The other thing I'll say about Satya is that he's online learning just like all of us are. He's taking courses from um, MOOCs, these massive open online courses as well, and just like the rest of us, he does not finish all of them. <laughs> and, um, and by his own admittance, he also has started reading a lot of books that he hasn't finished. But this need to be continuously curious this need to be continuously investigating ways to discover things and solve problems and the creativity that flows out of that, you see that in everything that Satya is doing and the type of people we want to attract to Microsoft. And I think on many companies, whether you're in the high-tech industry or whether you're in agriculture, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're in the military, everybody wants curious, creative people to come and be attracted to their organization and to bring their best work, their best talent, their best ideas to bear and helping them solve the problem or the advance the mission that they have. And we see that in every day, in every way, in the things that Satya is doing at Microsoft. Let's take a moment to look at some of those things that Microsoft is doing to be innovative and cutting edge. Look into the camera. Talk to the people that are watching this program right now that might be higher level administrators and are on the fence between, do I want to go Office 365 do I want to do that other program that's free? Do I want to go to Windows? Do I want to try those other kind of tablets? Right. What? You know, one of the, go ahead. This, this, this is like the question of the year that you're asking, Jeff. Is there more to it? Because I want to make sure I, I hear all of it. Finish what you were going to say. WWCD. What would Cortana do? <laughs> what would Cortana do? Brilliant. Well, we know what Cortana would do. Cortana would use Office. 365 in a heartbeat um, and in less than a nanosecond as well as Windows because uh, she can't function without Windows. But here's some things to think about. From an educator perspective, educators don't ask me for more money and nor do they ask me for more technology. They only ask me for one thing, more time, because it is the scarce resource in education with all the demands that we have from new standards being um, implemented across all of the states, new tests being implemented from across the states, and the requirement to take learning to the next level, especially as we integrate new technology into that learning, no one really has more time for that. And so we've got to make the scarce resource of attention and time 
we've got to make the most of that in helping teachers and educators be productive as we all make this transition. The thing that Office 365 does is it takes advantage of the time that teachers do have and the experiences that they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so when you're creating a professional learning community that you want to get more than just the teachers in your hallway or the third grade teachers in your building uh, on the same page, but you want to get all of the feeder schools to a middle school or you want to get all of the schools across the district or dare say all of the schools that teach third grade or fifth grade or geometry across the state on the same page, Office 365 enables you to do that and have information find you. I love it because it saves teachers time in ways that they haven't even imagined doing in, in, the, in the past. The other thing that's really new, we announced it in April. It's been um, growing. Michael can actually talk to it quite a bit because he's got a whole bunch of content that he's created himself for Office Mix. And Office Mix uses PowerPoint so that you can create rich, interactive lessons that are, include simulations as well as quizzes and, and, and things that students can answer so that they can do it online in any device. And one of the things that's super, super cool about Mix is that it saves teachers from asking the redundant question of who did the homework last night? Because they know who did the homework last night because they have all of the data from who participated in that session. They know who tried to skip ahead and answer the questions and failed it and who actually went through and learned the content in the time that it was required to before they tried to challenge any type of assessments that they put in. And when we think about Office Mix, people had nearly 35 years to learn PowerPoint no new skill sets required. This is another one of those areas where it saves you time to really create rich, engaging content for your students. And I think Michael's got like 20 different mixes that he's created. He should be a he should be DJ Mike with the amount of mixes that he's created from with it. Mike, do you have anything on Office Mix you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I flipped every PowerPoint into an Office Mix when I was when I was uh, teaching Touch Develop that curriculum. I flipped, you know, my IB business management course into, into Office Mix because, like Cameron was saying, I mean, I know exactly how many students, you know, when I was doing Flip Classroom, how many students were watching the PowerPoint, how many students actually played the video. Were you just playing that video for five seconds or did you watch the whole thing from front to end? And then I actually get, you know, real-time responses, you know, and could sort of see an assessment if the students actually know what's going on because I quiz them on it and I get, you know, the results and analytics in the back end. Um, and so it's been a very powerful tool that I offer in, you know, on my website uh, in the cloud. And um, yeah, I've, I've lo I loved it for that sake. You know, it saves me time and, you know, knowing that I can, you know, tape record something, put it on the mix and then it's all of a sudden, you know, have, it gives me back that feedback, gives me back the analytics, and you know it, provi it provides a lot of good content for me as a teacher, um, and also gives the students you know the power to look at it at their own at their own pacing. You know the the last thing I'll add, Jeff, is that Office 365 for students includes and, and teachers the ability for them to download Office for free and install it on up to five devices if their school district already has a license for Office included in their agreement with Microsoft. And that's a huge deal because office at retail can cost anywhere from $99 to $400. And the reason that's important for students to know it's available for them to install on an iPad, Surface, a desktop, a Mac, etc., 
is that when we did research with IDC a year ago, they showed that the number one skill set that students needed for high-wage, high-growth jobs in the United States require oral and written communication skills. And when they looked at the tool sets that helped facilitate the development of those skills, it was Microsoft Office, namely Word and PowerPoint. And so while there are so many other great tools out there that you can use to do presentations, and I love them all, and I use a variety of them myself, PowerPoint and Word is how people tell their narrative. It's how companies communicate internally. It's how governments communicate to citizens. It's how people publish documents and put them online, whether they're a blog or PDF or any other form of literary text. And so helping students get the tools that they need for those high-wage, high-growth jobs, and those tools are free, free like a non-alcoholic beer <laughs> versus a, some type of pet that you have to keep and feed, it's a good deal. And there, there's so many other things that I would share with teachers, but most of the time I find that teachers don't know that these things are available to them already. They may already own them, and no one has just simply not told them that they have access to it. So I would give them those three, Office 365, Mix, and download your version of Office Pro Plus. You may, you may create an engineer just from somebody creating an Excel spreadsheet. Now, you had also mentioned something earlier, and I think this is an interesting point to pick up on here. If you are an upper administrator and you only had a finite time for professional development and a very small professional development budget, and you really had to make use of the minutes, you had mentioned that Microsoft is has moved away from two operating systems, and you're only running one operating system. Why is it important that Microsoft is running one single as opposed to the desktop version and the mobile version? And I know you guys are coming out with Windows 10. 10. And yeah. But why is it important for Microsoft to have that unilateral ecosystem that teachers have to learn? And, and why is that important? Well, one, I would say because people want to save money. People want to know that when they buy apps that they run anywhere that they have a device because it's not people. It's not the device that's mobile. It's you. It's me. It's our students. It's our teachers. And so as we move into this mobile-first, cloud-first economy, it saves you money and time and resource and training and development and support if I can buy an app and it just run on anything that I have. And it's also more economical for the people who are publishers, content providers, and developers to build those apps if they don't have to build one thing for this particular experience and another thing for that experience because they're, they have their own economic challenges that they have to deal with as well. So all up, it's better both for the consumers and the content producers. The uh, other like, motion, oh, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I should say I love that, Cameron, because uh, I've been teaching many years in the inner city, and so knowing that students can get Office 365 and do their homework you know, and different devices at their home computer, and they can get that updates in, you know, in real time for their entire family while they're in K-12. It's a huge deal. It's, it's a game changer. And it's, it, you know, there's no more excuses why the kids weren't doing their homework or not creating the projects or getting things done on time. And, you know, and thanks, you know, and, and Office 365 is absolutely free for teachers and students. And, uh, you know, it, it, makes, it makes those students able to be learning, you know, anytime, anywhere. And so I really appreciate that Microsoft has made that available to teachers and students for free. You know, if I could ask something else, uh, Mike, I saw you posted something on the group chat and uh, Cameron's actually for you. You know, if I have uh, teachers who are lifelong learners, such as myself and uh, students as well, 
Um, you know, I think I've seen recently you guys are offering like certifications or academies in some way for right. teachers and students. Could you tell us in a little bit more about that? Yeah, so our Microsoft IT Academy is both available for teachers and students. Um, we've got um, probably about half of the states in the U.S. that are used in Microsoft IT Academy. And it gives them the opportunity to get the same certifications and courses that um, we take for hiring engineers, the people our partners hire, um, hospitals, government, et cetera, hire to prove their credentials. What's really fascinating, I get to talk to a lot of different audiences across the country, and everybody thinks because he's the CTO, he had this traditional education and somehow ended up at Microsoft because he was born with a silver spoon. Not so much. Um, it actually took me 18 years to complete my undergraduate degree. That means I could have died and been born again in the time it took me to get a college degree. The only post-secondary credential that I had before coming to Microsoft was a Microsoft certification. These same certifications that are available through the IT Academy. And it was using that skill to build and get experiences and jobs and other opportunities in other places that fundamentally changed not only my life, but the life and trajectory for my family as well. And so to know that students can take these um, courses and challenge the exam and get certified and their teachers can get certified, that means that they're going to have, they're going to graduate from high school and sometimes even enter high school if you're doing this at a middle school level with the skill sets they need to go into the workforce immediately. Because our students have double-digit unemployment from ages 16 to 24, and there are opportunities available. There are actually 300, over 300,000 jobs today, if you go to Indeed.com, that require some type of Microsoft skill set. And so the IT Academy is a great enabler to make sure that both students and teachers can take those jobs that are vacant tonight versus jobs that may, may be there 20 years from now. We've got jobs that are available tonight across the country. We will definitely make sure, Cameron, that we can get some of those links, and we'll post those up on the show notes. Again, this is going to be over at teachercast.net slash TCP for TeacherCast Podcast 113. Again, teachercast.net slash TCP 113. We'll make sure we'll have all those links. Guys, it has been a great show. My my covenant alarm is going off right now, and I definitely want to make sure that uh, – that, uh, we have you guys on again. Uh, Cameron, one more time. It was absolutely a pleasure to have you on. Michael, thank you for coming. I want to give you guys a chance to, to share where we can get a hold of you. Glenn, where can we find more information out about the great stuff happening down in South Jersey where you are? I'm currently down at the Northfield Community Middle School in southern New Jersey, Atlantic County. Uh, you can always link up with me on my Twitter at uh, GlennR1809. That's G-L-E-N-N. Or eighteen oh nine. Um, also on Voxer, you can check me out there, and uh, Google Plus as well. So anyway, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to anybody. Excellent. Oh, before I let you go, when is Ed Camp South Jersey? We should give a couple plugs there. I think that's March twenty eighth, and I think Cameron said he's coming. I'm not sure. If I, I think he's that. bringing his whole family. <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a little warm in Jersey by that time. I might be able to work that out. <laughs> he, because we've got innovative teachers there, and he's going to bring the whole. Never mind. <laughs> Michael, talk to us a little bit about where we can find more information about what is going on in your uh, part of the country. Yeah, so I'm teaching. Well, I'm, I'm actually an educational coach over in uh, Federal Way Public Schools right now. And so you can you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my hand uh, my handle is Michael E. Braun B R A U N, 
Uh, you can also, you know, reach me on my uh, my Hotmail account, emmybronze at hotmail.com. Uh, and I have a Weebly website, which shows all of my curriculum uh, for the intro CS course, as well as uh, some cool videos that I've been published in. And so you can go to, uh, I believe it's weebly.michaelebraun.com, but uh, it's either weebly.michaelebraun.com or michaelebraun.weebly.com. So we will make sure we have you, that we have that in the show notes. <laughs> Are you suffering from social media fatigue? Do you feel that you have too many social networks? If you have a remedy for that, Cameron, I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. I, I, Mike, I, I know of a good personal assistant that can help you out. Yes, indeed. Um, Cameron, thank fun. you. Thank you so much. Um, it has been one more time a pleasure to have you on. And I, I've always said this since the time I first met you. You have absolutely been one of the few people I can have a communication with, an interview, or have a conversation with, and you allow me to challenge you on the questions. So once again, I thank you for being open here and bringing the best of Microsoft education on. Where can we find more great information about yourself and the great work happening over at Microsoft Education? Well, I have probably one of the shortest Twitter handles on the planet, Jeff. Um, You can go to EDUCTO for the education CTO and you'll find me on Twitter and that gets you linked to everything else that is in my universe. And um, also, if, if all else fails, just Bing Cameron Evans. You can get Bing in the classroom if that helps you do it better. But um, also go out to Microsoft.com WAC Education. We've got lots of updates and new things that we're offering all the time. There's new content. Programs are available for free, as well as new things for schools to start advancing their transformation in this mobile-first, cloud-first era at Microsoft.com forward slash education. And that's it. And thank also, you for having me, Jeff. Thank you. And for those of you who want to follow Microsoft on Twitter, it is Microsoft underscore EDU. And they have a great presence on Twitter there. You can see a lot of the, uh, the photos and the videos that they've got going on with all the great student Hour of Code projects. Check that stuff out online. It is amazing, all the different resources out there that Microsoft has for helping out students. Cameron, one more time, thank you so much. And to the entire uh, Microsoft educational family, by the way out there, we are not done. We are going to be spending a lot of 2015 featuring the great stuff happening at Microsoft. We are planning to do some shows featuring OneNote. We're doing some shows featuring Office 365 and Windows. So there's a lot of great Microsoft stuff coming. If you are a Microsoft school or interested in being a part of the Microsoft family, stick with TeacherCast. We have a lot of stuff going on right now. So one more time, I want to say again, thank you so much for my guests for coming on today. Well, my friends, that wraps up the 113th episode of the TeacherCast podcast. I want to thank my friends Cameron Evans, Michael Braun, and Glenn Robbins for coming on the show and sharing their passions for student achievement with us today. We hope you have enjoyed today's show. Of course, there's several ways that you can connect with us each and every week on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. You can find us on our website, teachercast.net. Leave us a voicemail at teachercast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at teachercast.net. Find us on Twitter at teachercast. 
or subscribe to our many audio and video channels over at teachercast.net slash YouTube and teachercast.net slash iTunes. And, of course, you can find us on our favorite podcasting apps such as Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or the ever-popular, almost approaching 100,000 downloads, the TeacherCast mobile app, which, by the way, is going to actually be updating in the next few weeks. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional development, and I hope you take a moment to share TeacherCast with your PLN. Please join me each and every Sunday night on TeacherCast.tv for the Tech Educator Podcast Live at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And also at 8 o'clock, we bring you the 30-second podcast with our friend Brad Gustafson. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.